Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Monday morning. It's Monday morning. Welcome back to the Get the Fuck Off podcast, everybody. I am here to do an episode on sobriety. It has been a minute since I've done an episode on sobriety completely, but when I do episodes on sobriety, I get people writing to me, communicating with me, saying, that was so helpful. And I'm like, okay, so maybe I need to do more of these. (laughs) So... I'm here today to talk about the concept of sobriety and just talk a little bit around sobriety. I don't do a ton of talking about sobriety. And the reason that I don't is because of the attachment. So let me explain the attachment to what people have regarding sobriety and how people attach meaning to sobriety. And you're probably going to say, I already know what you're going to say. Well, no, not really, not really. So there are some words that you can say as a human and it will provide a strong reaction in someone else. And every time you say these words, depending on what someone else's experience is, it dictates what they feel. So I'm going to give you a great example. I was raised by atheist parents. My parents did not indoctrinate me into any formal religion. When I was a child, on Sunday morning, I watched cartoons and ate Pop-Tarts, and I was told that when we die, we're dead, and that's it, and there is no God, and there is no world after this, and there is no anything like that, and there is nothing beyond the manifestation of the physical, and that is what life is, and anyone who says anything different is wrong. And that was what I was taught from a very young age by my parents who believed very strongly in that. So the word God brought up to me very strong things throughout my life. And if you say the word God, I bet you guys just hearing the word God probably want to X off the podcast, right? Like, are you ready? Like, are you like, fuck, what is she going to fucking talk about? Do I have to talk about God? Do I have to talk about God? Oh my God. Like, how strong of a reaction do you have? Like, how much are you thinking right now? All the things that you're feeling. Like, how much are you, like, trying to analyze in your mind right now everything that you believe about God? At this point, you're probably not even hearing what I'm saying about God. You're probably trying to piece together all the things that you know about God and try to understand. And and then you probably even are ready to, to start writing something in, like, in a comment section when people bring up God. You know, like the word God is so powerful because of the personal story that each human has attached. 
So much so that the story is so deeply personal and it's so reinforced by larger bodies of people and things and communities and, you know, religions, obviously, but just societies and all of these things that when someone says the word God, it is so powerful. It just makes you want to unsubscribe, unfollow, delete, get mad, or simply not listen. Because that is how strong of a word that it is. And sobriety is one of those words as well. It is such a strong word that people have to defend how much they either, you know, like when, when they talk about sobriety, they have to do so much defending. I remember a friend of mine, we were having dinner, myself and my, and my two friends. One of them does not drink anymore, but did drink quite a bit. And the other drinks socially and we were sitting there and I might have even talked about this on the podcast but I'm going to talk about it again and he was he was saying oh well we were we were talking about the difference between sobriety and not drinking I'm like there's literally no difference no there's a difference no there's literally no difference like there's literally no difference It, it there's no difference you either drink or you don't sobriety is a beverage choice that's it sobriety is a beverage choice. You choose beverages that are non-alcoholic and you choose to not put substances that are mind-altering into your body. Like like to not put them into your body. Sorry, I don't know if I fucked that up with my speech. I kind of go stream of consciousness and then I don't know. Did I say that right? You choose to not put a mind-altering beverage poison into your body and that's it so not drinking and sobriety are the same thing if you are not drinking for several days then you know and if you're sober for several days congratulations it's the same exact thing but people will do things like make differentiations of those things because they don't want to attach all that heavy meaning remember god remember god how uncomfortable you were when I brought up God, the same thing happens with sobriety. So it's like, oh my God, this is really uncomfortable. I don't really want to do this. What does this mean? What does this mean? If I'm not drinking, what does this mean? Do I have to say I'm sober? What does this mean? What does this mean? What does it mean? Bullshit. It doesn't mean but fucking bullshit. It means nothing. Like, it means nothing. And people attach so much story to all the stuff that it means. And I want to tell you something. There's nothing happening with you when you're drinking alcohol you might think all of this is happening like stuff is happening alcohol is doing nothing for you it is a complete lack of awareness it dulls your awareness completely to the things that are actually happening like when you're talking about the experiences that you like when you're drinking like when you go to a concert or when you're hanging out with your friends or when you're enjoying a good meal or when you're doing all all of those things are dulled by the consumption of alcohol they are not heightened by the consumption of alcohol and if you consume alcohol regularly which decreases the gray matter in your brain and alters your production of serotonin and alters like your alters all sorts of chemical responses that happen naturally in the brain and fucks up your body's ability to be in homeostasis and all of these things you actually fuck yourself out of being able to enjoy your own life, which is why you think that you need to continue to drink alcohol to enjoy your own life. But you're not actually enjoying your life. So like I have all of these memories of spending time with people and being out and being at the bar and being drunk. And I loved the bar, Olunny's. Like that was a place that I spent a lot of time. 
And I would say that 10% of that time was really magical. And the other 90% was just me putting myself to sleep most of the time. And I have all these nights where I allegedly bonded so much with all these people. And the funny thing is, I don't remember half the shit these people said. Even when you end up, because as a bartender, I can tell you that after people have a couple of drinks, they're just ego lips flapping. They're not saying anything. They're just spouting off what they already believe. I've told this story on the podcast before, but I'm going to tell it again about that time that that lady came into the bar and she was coming from a bachelorette party and she was just madder than hell. She ordered a drink. I shouldn't have served her. I couldn't tell her sobriety level when I served her the drink. Thankfully, she only had two sips out of it. But she was just talking up a storm about how the people that she was with were disrespectful to her and everything that happened. And when she left, I mean, she had some food and everything. So she really came in to eat, you know. When she left, she was happy. She was so happy. She just felt like she had the best conversation of her life. And the bartender that I was working with said, wow, Andy, I don't know how you do that. That was incredible. And I was like, I just was repeating the things she said back to her. Because unlike being a coach where you actually ask powerful questions and you agitate people, that's to get beyond their, their ego and their thinking mind and their, and their brain that has rationalized themselves into repetitive patterns that don't serve them. As a bartender, you're, you're dealing with only ego because the awareness has completely depleted because of the consumption of poison. So what you want to do is keep people as peaceful as possible. And that's why bartenders are really good at de-escalating conflict because they don't reinforce or argue or they know how to take something and just shut it down. So if you've got like two people and they're about to go on a political spiral with each other, like you know how to come in as a third party and start talking about something completely different than they're talking about. And they're just going to think you're like their best friend. Like their, their, their ego will turn off that part and will just jump in. Like somebody from like South Dakota and they're, they're, they're getting in an argument because of some value that they have because of whatever, then, you know, you'll just jump in with something completely arbitrary like oh yeah you know there's a lot of oil out there I knew somebody that used to work in oil and you know you, you just start saying bullshit and then they'll tell, tell you a story or somebody will be talking about something and then you just bring up a highway that that oh yeah I know where that is that's off this and like you just start talking about something random and you just you just take them out of the story completely so anytime that we argue or we get like mad it's because we're in a story so we're either in a story about ourselves or like something's triggering us I'm gonna go back to God Remember God at the beginning of this episode when I said God and everybody had strong feelings about what God is? Remember that? Yeah. Like you feel that? That, that is your strong feeling. And everybody has a strong feeling about something. Like so we just – like, you know, every time you have a, a, ma- a major thing happen, no matter what your belief is, your belief is going to be strong because it's based on your personal life experience. And if there's oppression in your personal life experience, well then – and everybody has experienced that to some degree. You're going to be – you're going to have a feeling where you're going to want to get it out and, and display yourself. So think about drunk people like the comment section of a, a political Facebook post, right? Like I'm sure that that just recently with the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, we probably saw a lot of this on social media, right? Now, there were probably a lot of long blocks of text. Like whenever something massive happens that has to deal with oppression in some way of someone – there's going to be a lot of defense on a lot of sides. And 
it sometimes seems like it's meaningful discourse, but it's usually not. It's usually just each person is is stating their opinion in long blocks of text and not really listening to anyone else's. And, and that's because there's oppression and there's upset and there's all kinds of stuff like that. Well, that's how drunk people are about everything. Like drunk people are basically just talking at the other person. So, like, if you're talking about your families, the conversation will be like, well, my mother did the blah, 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 and I remember when I was little, my mother this, and blah, 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 and then we had this, and I remember. And then, like, if you were talking about, like, how poor you were or whatever, you'd tell, like, a 10-minute-long a sob story about how poor you were, and then the person you were with would tell, like, a 10-minute-long sob story about how they were poor. In reality, you didn't hear each other's stories at all. You're just fucking vomiting out your own story, right? Like, that's what you did. Because that's what that's what drinking sounds like. I mean, if this is you know this is bugging you guys, it's it's something to look at because a lot of us are like this when we're drunk. When we're drunk, we're just we're just a a blob, like we're just a blithering ego. That's all we are. But we have this idea that so much is happening in this bonding that we have with these other people that we're spending time with, and it's like there's actually nothing happening here. If you, New York City, this weekend was Pride. A lot of people get drunk for Pride. Great. But did you really like being drunk or did you like Pride? Like was Pride, was was Pride more enjoyable because you were drinking or did you experience Pride at a duller level because you were drinking? Like why did you need to drink to enjoy Pride? Like did you, were you incapable of enjoying Pride if you were not in an altered state? Like does how does an altered state make any experience more enjoyable? You generally tend to behave in ways that you didn't want to behave. You usually always get to a place where you feel guilt because you don't remember something that you did. You often make decisions that are not serving. You often do like and this isn't just, you know, this isn't about pride. This is about like any sort of big celebratory time, right? So like this could be Christmas. This could be Halloween you know this could be going on vacation this could be going on a cruise like I had a um you know somebody that I have done some work with talk about the anxiety of not buying the unlimited drink package for the cruise and like should I or should I not buy it I don't want to drink but then my husband's going to want to buy this package and like just the the going back and forth and the pressure from the other people like the other people will pressure you like like their belief is that you won't have a good time if you are not drinking. So if you like chose to show up. I remember when I was newly sober, I would have these experiences where I was like, all right, well, I'm going to choose to show up to this event or I'm going to choose to show up to this and I'm not going to drink. And then other people would sometimes think, well, are you not going to be able to enjoy yourself? And it's like, well, I'm going to be just fine. I'm going to have complete awareness. Now, it, it happened less with me than it happens with other. Like, it's it's such an interesting thing because when you commit to publicly saying, I'm not drinking right now. I'm not going to be drinking. Most people are respectful. But if you're like wishy-washy about it and you don't set clear boundaries with your communication that you're not drinking, people will try to coax you because they will believe that you are having – less of a of a good experience because you're not drinking so there were times where I was like playing around with sobriety people were like oh come on just have one and I did that to people a lot I have a lot, I have some guilt over that I've let I've tried to let it go and I've, I've been pretty good about it 
But when somebody is like intentional about their communication with me, like, no, I am not going to be drinking more. It's like, you respect the fuck out of that. And I, that's what I experienced for people. Like when I was wishy-washy about it, people were kind of like coaxy because they, they wanted to assume that my experience would be shittier if I wasn't drinking. But when I was like firm about it, people were like, yeah, okay, I respect that. This is obviously something that she wants to do. Now, what gets in people's way a lot of the time is the meaning making. Remember I told you about that friend that was trying to make meaning like, oh, sobriety is different than not drinking. Fuck you. Like, like there's no damn difference. Like, it's the same damn thing. Sobriety is a beverage choice. So that I did not make that up. My boyfriend, Martin John Garcia, is the person that says that. Sobriety is a beverage choice. And sobriety and recovery are totally different things. There does not have to be a story, a disempowering story attached to sobriety, nor does there have to be a disempowering story attached to recovery. Recovery is simply you getting back to the person that you were. Like Martin's whole model of the work that he does is called recover yourself, which like get back to yourself. You you are recovering yourself, right? So recovery I have a little bit of a, of a different story than a lot of people. A lot of people get sober and then they go into recovery. I went into recovery before I entered into sobriety. So I have a lot of stories that are in alignment with my recovery. And I didn't stop drinking until December 26th of 2019. I remember day after Christmas 2019, right before the pandemic, a couple months before the pandemic. So I soberly watched that whole pandemic. Like, And it's such an interesting thing because first of all I firmly believe I would have died of COVID if I if I had not been sober because I would have been in bars drinking one of the bars that a friend of mine worked in all of them got COVID like in the first wave um I know one was hospitalized like the and not and they had a hard time like they were very very ill and I mean I I just it was like I think i you know, would have had that, like, for sure, because of the the way that the bar was. It was a smaller space, a lot of people packed in together, you know, it was, it was by Grand Central, and all the, the, you know, our first real outbreak here in New York was in New Rochelle, so, like, all those commuters and people going back and forth, so, you know, I, I'm grateful for my sobriety in that way, but I'm also grateful because I was able to s- just stare at what was happening with these sober, open eyes in just distinct clarity, Like I was able to just sort of look at what was happening. And I hadn't been able to look at what was happening ever because my awareness was dulled. So that's why I called this episode, There's Nothing Happening Here. Because when I was drinking, there was a lot of activity going on, but there was nothing happening. I was constantly in a state of escape. Like even when I was with people and when we were eating food and drinking beers and doing all that shit. There was nothing really happening there. Like Josh and I used to go run a race and then then we would go get drunk. And what was happening in the morning was we were running a race and it was an awesome experience. And we were opening up ourselves to being with thousands of people and running and, and doing this great thing. And then we'd go and we'd have a good meal and the meal was great. And so that was happening. And then the rest of it, there was nothing happening. Like we would sit together and drink, but I don't remember like the latter hours of any of those times, but I remember all of those races. Like when I ran my first Chicago marathon, I remember running that side by side with Josh and Josh and I have run 
Now three marathons by side by side, three Abbott World Majors, two Chicago's, and one New York City Marathon. And Josh and I never really ran together up until that time. And I remember like every bit of that race. I remember being with him. I remember crossing the finish line. I remember crying. I mean, I remember just all of that. And um, I, I don't remember much of the rest of that day, like at all. Like I remember like bits and pieces, like we were drinking and I, I do remember the first couple of hours, but then like the subsequent six, like it's hazy, like it comes in and out. I might have, I don't know, half an hour of memories, like cumulative from the rest of that day. So it's really interesting about the way that we look at what drinking is doing for us because the highlight of running my first Chicago marathon was running my first Chicago marathon. By the time I hit the second one, I, I'd already stopped drinking. And yet all that alcohol, I, I don't even know what that was other than just like hindering my recovery. Like, and I mean my physical recovery, my physical recovery from running the marathon. Like it, it just, it didn't do anything. Like there was nothing happening there. There, another example of nothing happening, like I feel this way a lot about my time working in Times Square and there were memories that I have from there like the actual work itself provided me with a lot of skills and I have a lot of friends from that time. So I kind of have a bittersweet relationship with my time in Times Square. Like I have a deep love for it and I have a deep love for everybody that was in that with me and then I have pure disdain. Like so I go back and forth for a lot of reasons like disdain for a lot of reasons. There, there was a lot of abuse and, and shit like that which is not the topic of this podcast but there was a lot of times working in Times Square where there felt like things were happening because there was a lot of activity, but things weren't really happening. Like nothing was happening. Like the nights after work when we'd go out to the bar, that there wasn't really anything happening there. We weren't growing. We weren't developing. We weren't deepening things. We were just passing the time. We were just blacking ourselves out. We were just medicating. And I'll never forget... After the incident in 2018, when when my ex-boyfriend left me at the airport, I came home and my friend Christine had suggested that I participate in my first whole life challenge. And it cost 50 bucks, right? Like 50 bucks, which is not a lot of money. And I had to like really work to convince myself that this was worth it damn thing changed my life I I wouldn't be who I am today if I did not learn foundational self-serving habits of being able to feed myself drinking enough water stretching exercising repetition journaling you know like all these kinds of things I would have not become the person that I became without these integral habits and incorporating them and showing up daily like it just wouldn't have been a thing um I have a friend once that wrote like who exercises on vacation I do and and so do a lot of people um that was important like that was very very important but I had to work to convince myself to spend fifty dollars on the whole life challenge meanwhile I'm dropping 170 on a Monday night on a bar tab and that didn't bother me at all. I'd go to work and I'd go to Olenny's and, you know, I had a great bartender and, you know, he was, he was great. But I, you know, by the time I, 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 I like to over tip. So I'd end up, I'd drop 60 bucks, sometimes 70 bucks, sometimes 80 bucks at Olenny's. You know, usually around the $50 mark it was by the end of the time that I was drinking there. Like, I, because if I got food and, you know, if I drank and I would tip and I would, I would 
happily spend $60 a night to just sort of black myself out, a couple beers, a couple of shots, some really bad food, which I'd end up sleeping next to. That's how I got to be almost 200 pounds, 5'3", you know. I'd do that, and that was so easy for me to do. But for me to, to spend 50 bucks on something that lasted like six weeks, like that was like, that was unheard of. Like I was too, I was just too, like I, I wouldn't, why? Why would I ever do that? Because I was so like, I just was in such a weird mindset of thinking. Like my mindset of thinking of what was valuable for me and what wasn't was just so fucked up. And I thought that so much was happening in my time at the bar. In fact, when I did my first whole life challenge, I insisted that I kept one drinking night a week where I would binge drink. And I made sure that one drinking night a week still happened. And I looked forward to that. And then I like didn't drink beer for a while. So I was drinking like vodka martinis. And I think to my, I think back now and I'm like, I was so wed to keeping that in my life that I, I just didn't want to part with it. And I was telling this story that it was so important that I maintained it. And then the more I kind of moderated that, the more I realized I don't really like this. And furthermore, nothing's really happening. You know, like the conversations that I'm having, I don't really like them. They're not about anything I'm interested in. They're not helping me deepen my relationship. Most of the conversations that I'm having when I'm with these people that I'm drinking with are either about other people, about my job, which I don't care about, or about things I don't care about. And a lot of you guys that drink heavily might relate to this idea that sometimes you just drink with people because they're like a warm body to sit next to. And I, I can think of a lot of times where I've sat at the bar, and this is really sad to say, but I sat at the bar with people because they were like warm bodies. Because when, And that's not an insult to those people. It's mostly that... We, when we're drinking, are not ourselves. So we're complete dulled awareness. Like, so Ram Dass has this thing where he says, I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. That is what we are. Like, we are pure love. We're pure loving awareness just as people. But when you're drinking, you're not loving awareness. You're all ego. So when you're sitting with people, most of the time, you're just sitting with people so that you're not sitting by yourself. And... You know what? Billy Joel's lyric. They're sharing a drink they call loneliness, but it's better than drinking alone. I was never a, a drink alone person. I'm trying to regulate. But I, I would sit with people just because they were beating hearts. You know, like how fucked up is that? But like if you guys think about it, like you got to get in touch with yourself and see the ugliness in yourself. Because, because many people that I know that are sober have said that they've done the same thing in inactive addiction because it's just somebody that is there like but there is a possibility that you could have deep beautiful relationships and those deep beautiful relationships can be with people that are aligned with you like the deep beautiful relationship that I have with Martin is just it's otherworldly. It's deep. It's beautiful. Um, all the people in my women's coaching community, day one, I know a lot of them. And I have deep, beautiful relationships with them. My clients, you know, I have deep rapport, deep, beautiful relationships. My friendships that I've made over the last two years that are not just people that, you know, did 
the same survival work as me. Now I have relationships and friendships with people that are aligned with things that I am interested in. I was talking to my mom yesterday and we were talking about about Martin actually because you know it's a newer relationship even though we've sort of you know kind of started this back last October and I was telling her um, all about him and she said I'm so glad that you found somebody that that you have things in common with you know because you've always been a little different I'm like I am I'm a little different and I was misaligned for a long time so it's beautiful to get back to who I was so that I could be aligned and now in my life I want to try to put this full circle things are happening because I am the closest to who I was when I was like five years old as I've ever been like I am the closest to me that I've ever been so I attract people that are aligned with my joy my love my purpose my intentions I mean I have people that want to be on the path the people that want to learn and grow with me and share and develop and we're 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 making all of these beautiful things together and we're we're doing all of this beautiful stuff and then there are people that you know I I just remember from like back in the day and I'm like I liked them. I wished them well. It would be comfortable to sit in that bar with them again. And it would be comfortable just because I've done it so many times. So if Olenny's was still open, which was the bar that I went to for 11 years, if it was still open, it would be so comfortable to go back in there. Like when I was launching day one, I'm going to tell a brief story. I might have even told it on this podcast already. I don't remember what I talked about in the last episode, but in case you didn't hear the last episode. When I was launching day one, this was my first launch of anything. So I had been working one-on-one only since I started. So this is my first launch of a formal program that had an open date and a closed date. And it had a theme and it had like a structure and it was in a space. And so there was a lot of moving parts. And all those moving parts happened, you know, at a time where there was just a lot of things going on in general. And so I went up to the bank because I needed to, to deposit some, some money into the bank. And I go to the bank on 42nd Street by Bryant Park because I don't have a common bank. So I go to like a lesser common bank here in New York. I went into the bank and I had a meeting at 2.30 that day. Uh, it ended up getting pushed. But I had a meeting at 2.30 and I had a coaching call later that afternoon. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I think I want to go to Bubba Gump. And like, I just went to Bubba Gump and I spent time at Bubba Gump with two of my friends that I've known for many, many years. And it was so rewarding. It's like so, it filled me up so much. Like it filled my soul. And the reason why is because it was very comfortable because I had spent four or five days a week for 11 years in that building. So for me to walk into that building, my brain goes, oh, you're, you're safe. Like you're safe, you're here. Like this is a, this is a space for you. And like this is like like Cheers, like where everybody knows your name. And like you're in the middle of like nine million people here in New York City. And like you're in Times Square. And there's like all this activity going on inside. But everybody here knows who you are. And so this is great. And like I walked in, and a bunch of people hugged me. And now I work in front of my computer for a living, so I don't get hugged a lot. You know, and like when you're working in a restaurant, you get hugged all the time. At least you used to the last couple of years, you know, touch and go with Gen Z. But, you know, all of us millennials, we were big on touching each other. You know, we, we didn't have the, the sort of, um, we didn't have the boundaries. <laughs> 
something that we work on. But it was beautiful. It was a beautiful experience. But it was a beautiful experience because of reinforced neural pathways and safety. It was not a beautiful experience because, and, and because, you know, of course, my two friends. But like, if I walked into that place, or I walked into a Lenny's, or I walked into a place that I always go, there would be this semblance of, I belong here. This is safe. This is beautiful. Like, they're being a regular at a bar. And there's not really anything happening there. There's not really anything happening except that that's a space that you're used to going. And then that's a, a space where you're used to feeling this, like, camaraderie. So in early sobriety, you begin to try to create that in another place. I did a podcast episode. I don't remember the number of it off the top of my head, which is called showing up as a regular in your own life and just making the connections that you do with people, like the two guys that sit under Manhattan Bridge that I yell good morning to every morning or the guys that work at the bodega or, you know, the relationship that I made with the wonderful man that works at agave juice bar like i one of my favorite uh juice bars here in the east village like just making relationships with people my group um online communities communities that are are there um showing up to endless things just finding things that are aligned with you rather than things that are misaligned people that are aligned with you rather than people that are just beating hearts for you to consume poison with like if you're like if you're spending time with people and you they don't light you up, you just want to make sure you're not alone at the bar, then that might be something for you to look at. I'm not judging you. It just might be something for you to look at. Because your life could be filled with people that light you up, people that are aligned with you, people that support you, people that want to help you move forward towards the things that are meant for you. And... Who are you spending your time with? You know, like, and, and what, there's nothing happening. Like, the things that you love the most are the activities you're doing and not the booze. And I know I've been kind of on a people thing, but like, if you're with your friends, you love your friends, you don't love the booze. If you're with random people, like like I used to, like end up with random people I worked with, you know, I'd be sitting there with random people I work with. I don't really care about them. They're just bodies. I just, you know, I, I was medicating. Either way, when I was just doing that, there was nothing happening. And when I was with my friends, there was connection with my friends. The booze was actually dulling that. The booze was making that. So we get we get these strong feelings about what, sobriety is what not drinking is what recovery is it's just like I started the episode with that big g word right god I say god and everybody goes ah! I don't want to hear about this please don't talk about this this is making me very uncomfortable I don't like it it's like it doesn't mean anything it's different from for everyone Ramana Maharshi says god guru and self are the same self with a capital s which means you the person that's listening to the get the fuck off podcast right now your higher self that is, according to Ramana Maharshi, God. Now, that probably isn't the, the thing that you were taught when you were four. But it is another perspective. So we don't need to tie, like, all these big feelings to God. And we, we, we can just be ourselves and just be alive independently of, of whatever. And we don't need to tie all these big feelings to sobriety. It just can be. It's just another thing. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. I repeat myself. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything doesn't mean anything just it's a beverage choice 
just like Martin John says. It's a beverage choice. That's all it is. It doesn't mean that there's something defunct about you. And all those times, I guess I had two points in this episode, main points. Sobriety doesn't mean anything and we don't have to attach big meaning to it. And the second point is, when you're out drinking, nothing is happening. And if there is something happening, the thing that you are enjoying is not the booze and the the thing that you are enjoying is being dulled by the booze because you, in your entirety of your human experience, is being dulled by the booze. Because when you drink too much booze, you are completely ego and you are not your higher self. So this, see, I'm tying it all up. You are completely ego. You're not your higher self. You're a pain in the ass. Nobody likes you. It's annoying. And you're a lack of awareness. You know, Holly Whitaker wrote about um, meditation, you know, in, in sobriety and how meditation is so powerful because meditation is complete awareness. We're like drinking is lack of awareness, uh, complete lack of awareness. So in meditation, you're so, so aware. Um, I don't want to go on too many tangents, but I, I just went on a sensory deprivation float with Martin when I was visiting him in Chicago. This was my first one of these. It was completely dark. I was in this tank with water that was filled with Epsom salt. So you you float in it and the water temperature is the temperature of your body. So you don't and you don't, you don't see anything and you don't hear anything and you just float there for an hour. And I could hear my heart beating. Like I could hear the like the blood pumping through my body like it was wild and it was such a a freeing experience but that's not a beginner activity um that's something that requires like training like to be able to not freak the fuck out like that's why like the one that I was in they have the option of having a light on or even having music on because a lot of people will freak out I didn't I just stayed in complete blackness for 60 minutes blackness silence because I'm trained in, you know, practicing meditation and being able to recognize my thoughts and being able to recognize that I'm not my thoughts and being able to do all of this. And all of this comes with practice because meditation is aware. Like, so you're aware. You're aware when you're having a thought. You're aware when the thought passes. Like, sometimes I meditate in Tompkins Square Park and when I do, I I, I like to sit in the sun so that I can practice awareness with the sweat droplets that roll down my belly like I like to just just watch as they roll and they they trickle down my belly and and that's and you become aware and then at some point you lose your awareness so you're like hyper aware of your body and then you lose your awareness of your body um when you're drinking you're not aware of anything you're not aware of yourself you're not aware of other people you're not aware of your surroundings nothing is more enjoyable um Making love is not making love. It's something else entirely and it's not enjoyable. Um, Our bodies don't function the way that they want to or should. You might get horny. Like you might get horny as hell, but you're you're not, it's not going to bring you anywhere or do anything for you. It's just going to be annoying. Um, You're going to feel guilty a lot. You're not going to feel like yourself a lot. And you're going to feel... If you drink heavily, and I'm kind of slowing down with my speech on purpose, you're going to feel like you don't like that you're doing it. Like Martin John also says that. Do I like that I'm doing this? And that was how I was. I was like, I don't like that I'm doing this. And like when I have people come to me and talk to me in confidence and say, I I really want to just stop this. I don't want to do this anymore. 
Um, and and it, it's always, a, it's been quite a few people over the last couple of years. You know, it's always about, you know, there's always the consideration of what other people are going to think. And then there's always like the rationalization as to why it's a good choice. And there's always the attachment of the story of like, well, what does this mean about me? It's like literally means nothing. Nothing. Why is it a good choice? Because alcohol adds nothing positive to your life whatsoever. Everything that you think is positive comes from something that isn't alcohol. You don't even know that you're asleep. And that was sort of how it was for me in the end was like, I didn't even, I knew I was always walking around in a haze. And I knew that there were times in my life where I wasn't in that haze. And I had a brief recollection of what it felt like to not be in that haze. Yet it was almost like on autopilot, I reached for a drink every day. And I never even knew why I did that. Like, why did I reach for a drink every day? What was that about? Like, what was that about? That it didn't make any sense? I don't, I, what was that? And like, a lot of the time you're going through withdrawal and you don't even know. I know, don't get triggered. <laughs> no, you, I mean, if you're triggered, you're triggered. I can't tell you not to get triggered. But here's the thing. The word withdrawal probably brings up some, some activated feelings in you, right? Because you're probably like, I'm not an addict. It's like, well, if you have one drink every day for 10 years you're gonna have some discomfort if you try to go without that drink because your body releases chemicals to prepare itself for you to have it because your body wants to counteract that depressive effect of the alcohol and your body is smart and your body learns you might not think your body learns your body learns like as a running coach I know that it takes five to ten runs of an hour or more to acclimatize to heat. I don't start sweating properly every year until I've done at least that. Like, and I didn't sweat properly for many years when I began running because my body didn't know how it had to learn. So your body learns. Your body learns your drinking behavior. So yeah, if you drink every day for ten years, you're gonna have you're gonna have some issues when you want to go stop. You're going to feel anxiety. You feel, I don't need to do this today. Oh, this is stupid. Ah, it's just one. That's like, no. Like, this is, this, is, this is real stuff. Everybody that drinks too much, like, I, it's not everybody. I think Annie Grace puts up the statistic that 80% of people who drink wish they drank less. And I, I believe that's true just from my own, my own experience with being alive and other humans. Most people that are drinking want to drink less or not at all. And yet we're all just sitting here trying to defend our drinking. And we're all just sitting here trying to explain why it's so enjoyable to do it. And it's like there's legit nothing happening here. You go to the beach. Oh, I want to drink at the beach. This is so enjoyable. No, it's not. The beach is enjoyable. Your drinking is making you dehydrated and you have to pee. And you look like a damned fool. And then you're like trying to find a restaurant. And then like, you know, you don't even remember what your food tasted like. Because you were baking in the sun, drinking nutcrackers all day long. And so you have a meal that you don't even taste. And you spend money and, and, what, and, and what? For what? You know, you just, you just take your money and you just light it on fire so that you can have a half-dulled experience. And you think that something's happening. There's nothing happening here. Like, this is not fun. Like, like the beach is fun. Your drinking at the beach is not fun. It's dulling your experience. You know, you going to 
An arcade is fun. You drinking at the arcade is dulling your experience. You having sex is fun. You drinking before you had sex is just diminished, like taking the experience and making it duller. You taste like shit. Nobody comes. It's awful. Like this is, none of it is good. And yet we're all still hanging on like, Andy, I really want to stop. I'm really thinking about it. Why are you devoting so much time to the thoughts? The thoughts about not doing it. Like it's, it's such groupthink when you're doing it. Like it's such groupthink. And you're not in third grade anymore. And you don't need everyone to think you're cool. Make a firm decision. Like I was talking about before. When you make a firm decision and you're vocal about that decision, I guarantee your people will support you. If they don't support you, it is because they believe that you will not have a good enough time that you're not drinking. And if they have that belief, it's because they themselves would not have a good enough time because they themselves are also addicted to alcohol. So it's all a load of shit. I mean, what do you, like, do you want the, the, the depth of your relationships to be, oh, I drink with these people. I'm like, okay, great. And what? <laughs> like, are they people that you love, genuinely love, or are they people that are beating hearts, like I, suppl- I described before? Because I've drank with both. And it, it is really important to look at yourself and, and try to make those distinctions. I think that that's important. I think that all that stuff is important. So yeah, that's about it. That That's it for today on the Nothing Happening Here Sobriety Podcast. Um, there's a lot happening here on the Get the Fuck Off Podcast. So if any of this landed with you or if you are exploring your own sobriety or you're feeling confused about anything, you want to talk, you can reach out to me, Andy, A-N-D-E-E, at getthefuckoff.com. Um, Day one enrollment is now closed. I will be reopening it again in August. So you can feel free in the meantime to jump on my email list, breakfree.getthefuckoff.com, or you can visit me at getthefuckoff.com and check out everything else that's going on there. Listen to past episodes of the podcast, breakfree.getthefuckoff.com. Those is a good way to get on my, uh, get my emails so that you can know when day one is going to reopen And I send out content that sometimes has to do with sobriety and sometimes it has to do with Western society and sometimes it has to do with our bodies and sometimes it has to do with just all kinds of stuff. So it's good stuff there. Um, So please jump on my email list and uh, I will be back next week with another episode of the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Until then, you all can stay safe. Please stay safe and stay beautiful.